middle market folks don't necessarily know who to call when an IR happens. The big enterprise shops and people out there who have thousands of employees, like they have large insurance providers and they direct them to different organizations and can deal with things. But the middle market, it's tough for these firms to know who to call. We certainly want to make sure people have a good experience when they call after hours. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Incident Report presented by Quest Technology Management. I'm Paul Burke, Director of Technology Communications. Every week, I'm joined by VP of Sales and Partnerships, Adam Burke. The Incident Report brings you conversations with thought leaders, business innovators, and channel mavericks to help you stay productive and agile in a changing technology landscape. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Incident Report. I'm your host, Paul Burke. Well, I'm one of your hosts. Across from me, Adam, how are you doing? Good, Paul. Coming back from a, had a nice week off, little PTO, a little, little Hawaiian islands action last week. So back fully rested, ready to go. Mai Tais and, and Lays and flowers, beautiful. Ready to go back to work. You know, let's, let's pull the curtain back, Adam. We both vacationed, same island, same time, hanging out together. It was, it was a little family retreat. It was a good time had by all. So yeah, it was fun. It was a good time. Has your goodwill and happiness already exhausted itself? It, it burned out about 8.30 this morning on a Monday. So it lasts about 35 minutes, but, but you know, back, back at it. It, it can only last so long, but it was, a, it was a good break when we had it. Speaking of real world, the first story, Adam, you brought this to my attention. I thought it's a really interesting story. Inflation is happening everywhere. It's exploding. I think the last number was like 8.6%. But the one place where there's actually deflation is smartphones, that the smartphones just keep getting better and the prices remain the same. So according to the CPI, they're saying there's a 22% deflation in smartphone technology. I thought this was kind of a cool story because, you know, we Quest, we, we've been the hardware, software reseller game for a long time coming up on you know 40 plus years and deflation of technology in the sense that it's not deflation in the sense that like hey the price of an ounce of gold was $1900 yesterday and is now $1000 for the same ounce of gold we're not talking about that kind of deflation mm-hmm. what they're what they're talking about in the article which i found really interesting was the pace of improvement and in innovation versus the cost of the smartphone is far exceeding the price increase. So smartphones are, are getting a little bit more expensive. They they throw out a number in here. What was it? Uh, a little bit halfway down the article. What was it about? They threw out Samsung's high-end devices cost $1,800 a year, which lets yeah. me which lets me know I am not owning Samsung's high-end device because you know, I did not pay $1,800. Well, yeah, but I was looking at I was looking at a new a new, a new Apple, and those are easy start start at a thousand bucks. But what you're, but what they're pointing out in the article is they do a price adjustment based mm. on all the improvements that that device has. So as you get additional improvements, the actual you know cost adjusted inflation is is going down because the, it talks about we you hear on the news all the time, hey you know a carton of eggs for this year versus last year you're seeing anywhere between eight to fifteen percent increase in in costs. So you're seeing that kind of inflation. But at least in some areas in technology, the the advancements and the capabilities are far out 
are outpacing the rising and comparable costs, which I thought was a different trend that I, you know, I hadn't hadn't thought of before. I thought it was a pretty cool adjustment that they're they're putting there. There's so many advancements coming up on smartphones is a good example because I think everybody has a smartphone for the most part listen, listening to this, right? Most people, if they listen to a podcast, consume it across the smartphone. So it's kind of a a common device that most people have access to. But we're seeing across the technology stack and all sorts of different capabilities, the technology, the integration points, the applications, performance, just basic analytics of data and, and those types of those types of features are so advanced now on every single release that comes out. It really takes a lot for IT organizations to maintain awareness of what they actually have from a capability standpoint where they're already invested, right? So people leveraging thing, things like, you know, backup and replication technology, you have journaling and things that 10 years ago, asynchronous uh, replication capabilities, like things that you get to take in snapshots to continual journaling, to continual data protection. These things are advancing really, really quick. And it takes a lot to, to maintain, okay, this, it's great we have all these tools, how do we actually leverage them to get the business outcome we're looking for? Mm-hmm. It's great you have all the, great you have all these features. I mean, there's a new iPhone, whatever, 14 or whatever the iPhone number is on now, where like they have a they're editing an entire movie basically with this new this new camera system that they have, right? I, I think that's a good demonstration of in IT in corporate America, there are so many capabilities available on the platforms that we already are invested in, I think you're going to see a big shift in people. We talked about it you know, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast around consumption of cloud services. People, now that you're subscribing to these things, there's going to be a, a, a move into, okay, how do I tune? How do I update? How do I manipulate the investments I have right now to get the most out of the, pro- the processes I have? Because- mm. You, you've invested in Microsoft, you've invested in Azure, you've invested in AWS, whatever whatever you've invested in, now the time is, you don't rip and replace that. Now the time is, okay, how are we gonna, how are we gonna get the best yield out of this investment? How are we gonna you know, really do application development and continual DevOps? I think the next wave of successful IT integrators and, and managed service providers are organizations that are helping clients to get the most out of their investment uh, as opposed to maybe you know leading leading the replacement cycle or leading the rip and replace or, or upgrade cycle does that yeah. make sense yeah that's a really great point i think that people just i think there's there's so much available from what businesses are trying to achieve versus what they've already invested in it's always good to just take a pause look at what you have available to you and how you're gonna how you're gonna you know do do some development, do some application development, do some integration work, get get the most out of what you've already invested in. So I'm curious your thoughts on this. You have Apple and Samsung, and they're pouring more and more resources into building faster, better phones, more RAM, bigger screens, better cameras, and that costs a lot of money to invest. And they're noticing that they can't get the same returns. The big upgrades don't come with big price increases. So do you think they shift? Do you think they adjust their focus? Yeah. So I, I think what they're what we're seeing is that's the that's the portal to to the customer's wallet. You're not trying to make your number on the device itself. Mm-hmm. You're trying to you're trying to make the best, the coolest and sexiest. You're walking down the digital mall and who's got the best storefront? 
where where are all the cool people going to buy their services? And if you have the sexy iPhone or you got the new Samsung hotness or whatever, that's the portal to all the other spend. I mean, you know, we're like we were watching. We were over in Hawaii last week, right? No one's broadcasting the the 49er game in Hawaii. So so we we you know use the ESPN app on our uh, Apple iPhone to stream the NFL game. Now, do I pay a couple bucks a month for that ESPN app? Yep, I pay a couple bucks a month and 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 I guarantee you I think Apple takes somewhere upwards of 30 to 60% of of services from their from their people that that basically sell services on apps in their store. So it's a portal. It's hey, who can have the coolest portal, and who can give me most of that that most of that spend? So speaking about the coolest portal in in Hawaii, we went out one day to look at some turtles, and you know you're you're paying money to go look at those turtles. And the guy who took us out there and was taking photos for us, he said he he turned to everybody at the end and said, hey, just let me know I can airdrop this to you for everybody using iPhone. Everybody was using iPhone in that group, except for us. I was using an Android and uh, I'm not going to lie, Adam. I, I felt like that lonely kid at lunch, just kind of yeah. eating at the table by himself and be like, oh, I don't have the cool stuff. And no. you could even, you could even seen in his eyes, Adam, he'd, he'd seen a lot of things out there on the ocean and this kind of brought him the most shame. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So there, so that feature, that airdrop feature, yeah. right. They, they, you know, yeah. They're, are they going to charge you a thousand bucks? I think. I think Verizon and some of the other people, they're giving away phones with, with a three-year or a two-year or whatever subscription because mm-hmm. they want they want that reoccurring revenue model and they'll 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 eat the capex cost for that for that piece of hardware as long as they get you, you know, they get your mind plugged in to to their to their ecosystem. It's all not to get cynical. I was so positive earlier, Paul. We were so positive. I was we I was feeling the whole the Hawaiian, the aloha <laughs> spirit. I was so positive talking mm-hmm. about innovation and, and advancement and all that kind of bullshit. And now we're going to cynical. Now we're going right down to cynical path again. Damn it. But yeah, but it is all about control, right? They're trying to control your attention. Mm-hmm. They're trying to control your spend. And if, if you need a, if you need a, you know, 2 million pixel camera that can, you know, see the future to do it, they'll, they'll do it. And this reminds me of what's happening with Microsoft and Blizzard right now. And Microsoft is willing to pay $70 billion for Blizzard's IP because they just want to create a game pass second to none. If people want to play the Blizzard games, they're going to need game pass and game pass is $15 a month. And if you pay this low, low price, you get access to hundreds of games and Microsoft is going all in on growing this game pass, getting people in their ecosystem, making it the coolest place to be. Yeah. It's, it's, it's getting the attention. It's getting you, getting you, getting you on the boat. And worrying about, you know, selling the, selling the drinks later. So get them on the cruise ship. Oh, Adam, look at us physically at home and now mentally at home in our negativity. Our next story comes from CRN.com. VMware CEO says, renew now to fight Broadcom price hike worries. So VMware CEO Raghu Raghuram sat down on stage at the Best of Breed conference and spoke for near 40 minutes about the Broadcom acquisition and VMware. And he said, if you want to assure yourself that you don't get hit with a with, with a price hike, you should renew now with VMware, which you got to appreciate his honesty. 
Yeah, well, I mean, they they Broadcom acquired VMware, and and they're gonna they're gonna make the most of that investment. And a lot of people right now are looking at at alternatives to VMware. They're looking at container strategies. They're looking at how do we deal with these costs? VMware's hypervisors, and you know, it is a fantastic software product, and and is continuing to do well. But there are lots of options out there, and people are trying to figure out how are they, you know. How are they going to manage their environment in a kind of a post? Well, VMware has never really been completely autonomous, but in a, this new world where, where Broadcom, who traditionally comes in and acquires organizations and figures out ways to optimize that investment. And part of that is through, you know, through in, in increased pricing and organizations build their IT stack on on VMware infrastructure, right? It's that's their hypervisor. It's their it's their core of everything they do from a system standpoint. So they have a lot of leverage and people are trying to figure out same like when they're trying to figure out how to evaluate their network, how to evaluate their security, how to evaluate their systems, their operating systems, Microsoft, what do you do, right? Mm-hmm. It's always, it's kind of a constant battle for control and leverage. And, you know, it was pretty candid. He's like, hey, renew now and you won't have to worry about me raising the prices next quarter to make, to make the number. <laughs> Yeah, it was very honest. It was very candid. It's never been cheap. Yeah. It's never been like, hey, let's, you know, let's go low cost and and standardize on a VMware stack. Like it's not, it's not a cheap solution. It's it's you know, it's it's a market leader and dominated in this space for a long time. And you know, along with that maybe comes Samigo. And you know, we've seen that transition and things, these things always move in cycles, but it's pretty key to a lot of organizations infrastructure so a lot of people talk about moving to you know microservices and containerized environments and but that's a that's a long that's a long shift you're not making that that transition quickly so you know i think there's a there's a 3 to 5 year story going on here that we're going to see what happens next with with this i think you got a couple of years to figure out you know can they can they walk the line and mm. and and maintain maintain a balance or are they going to screw it up i think we'll see so it, it sounds like from the article I'm reading that a lot of people are concerned that Broadcom hasn't had the best relationship with channel partners in the past. And I think it's interesting that Broadcom is obviously acquiring you know, VMware because they want the strong software business. And as the channel, as channel partnerships grow, do you think Broadcom is starting to realize, oh, maybe we should play different? Or is it just one of those things like, it's going to remain to be seen. We, we can't really crystal ball this thing. You, you can't really crystal ball it, and and it, it's so the so this this comes from CRN, right? It's literally the channel company, right? Yeah. So it's they're talking about channel sales, and this this talks to channel organizations. So people, if, if people don't know what that means, it basically means you're an intermediary between a manufacturer, a software developer, or provider like VMware or Broadcom, and the actual end consumer. So you're an intermediary, you're a middleman. Mm-hmm. transacting, making, helping with a transaction. What Broadcom rightly is seeing is, hey, you know, if they see VMware, I'm, I'm, this is a total hypothetical and I hope not to offend anybody, but if they're seeing that VMware has an install base that, that makes the middle person in, uh, irrelevant, mm. that they can basically say, hey, your systems are built on our platform. You have to renew in order to continue to get releases. I don't need to to make sure that 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 reseller makes their margin in order to stay in business. 
they could easily just see that as a, as an investment and that they're going to that they're going to consume. Now, channel advocates are probably stomping their feet and screaming and yelling right now saying, "Well, Adam, that's horrible. The channel makes the world go round and all that kind of stuff." Well, yeah, true, but if you're looking at it from a financial standpoint, VMware might be seen as an asset that Broadcom can I mean, they spent billions of dollars on it. It's it's their company. Yeah. They're gonna they're, they're gonna figure out the best strategy to to get the most out of it. Now, I don't know. I run channels sales for Quest, so there's nothing better in the world than a partner calling you with an opportunity. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's 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 gravy. That's gold. It's amazing. It's it took us 12 years to build it, but we're you know we're we're getting phone calls every single day saying, "Hey, Adam, can you guys help us out with this? Can you guys help us out with this?" Can you guys, you know, can you guys do X, Y, and Z? I love the channel, but if I'm a Broadcom CEO and I just spent, you know, whatever, $50 billion on X, Y, Z, how am I going to get a return on that over the next three to five years for my shareholders? Maybe they don't need the channel as much. Mm-hmm. You know, we've, we've, we've seen other manufacturers do this. It's, it's classic. It's called disintermediation. It can, it can be brutal for organizations that run their business on, a couple of points of margin. Hopefully organizations figure out like, you know, how to add some services dollars to their operate to their operations. But yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty common common dilemma out there in the in the vendor space. That is such a great explanation, which I realize sometimes when I'm serious, it sounds like I'm being sarcastic, but I'm not. Sincerely, that was very helpful. Yeah. And finally, Adam, channelinsider.com, a really good article, common incident response planning mistakes and how to avoid them. So there's a lot of good information here and I'd love to kind of run through with you, kind of get your fresh perspective on it. I got to say like the Channel Insider articles, like out of all of them, like they do they do a really good job kind of breaking down like non-salesy, just kind of, hey, here's some here's some good things you should take a look at. So I really enjoyed this article. If no no BS if you're just clicking through the podcast and and want to read a good article, this one's a pretty solid solid one for a high level understanding. Yeah, they're dense. It's like less than a thousand words. You get a lot of good content. It's pretty dense. Yeah. Yep. I like it. So although ransomware attacks decreased from nearly 189 million to 133 million between the second and fourth quarters of 2021, they hit a new high during the first half of 2022 with 236.1 million attacks worldwide. And the article goes on to say the top four incident response planning mistakes are failing to implement a response plan, lacking an understanding of your own environment, working with the wrong vendors, and failing to test backups. I think just that last one, that one last one should be first. We talk to clients all the time about this, but just just test your backups. You'd be surprised. I'd, I'd say 60 to 70% of the clients we get involved in with from an IR, like a, a new new clients, they they've they haven't tested their backups in months. You gotta incorporate that into your your operational cadence of how you're protecting your environment. Test your backups because that sometimes is the is the only thing you have to rebuild from if your environment's completely compromised is is your backups and and you know holding your service providers accountable for that that process. And yep, we're gonna test that backup. We're gonna validate that it, that data exists. A lot of people kind of set it and forget it. Don't do that. That's the huge, huge issue we see all the time. So I think it makes a great point. It says test the restore speed of complete system backup so you can reach the fastest speed irrespective of the type of nature of the incident. So not only test them, but test the speed of them. 
be aware of that. How quickly can these systems come back online or can you even, can you even get the data back? Right. If you're, if you're trying to pull 10 terabytes across a hundred meg link and you're, and you're restoring from a cloud backup, like you're going to be, you're going to be waiting a while. So Mm -hmm. yeah, great point. And it also mentions too, that make sure your contract covers incident response because it might not. So just be aware that your cloud service provider is also providing incident response. Yeah, reading those SLAs, we we work with folks all the time. We draft custom SLAs, but read your SLAs, read your service level agreements, read your MSAs, read your contracts. It's it's dry and nasty legal language and not very fun, but but definitely read those the roles and responsibilities, who's responsibility for for who's responsible for what. And that kind of translates I think into the other point of the article working with the wrong vendors. You know, some people are some people are, are are point solutions, and then there's then there's folks who kind of uh, you know help across the board. And I'd say just really really look at your vendors as far as you know when some when it hits the fan, who can jump in and help across the board. One of the things they mentioned is working with the wrong vendors. Ideally, select consultants with proven incident response experience. That makes sense, and ones that are available 24 seven remotely or on site. They should offer cost effective services and be flexible enough to meet your needs. Because it mentions that under the pressure of dealing with an incident as quickly as possible, businesses tend to rush the decision of which which incident response consultant to use. So when things are falling apart, don't just kind of reach out for the first option because it might not be the best and it could be more problematic going with somebody that you're not familiar with. So vet those vendors yeah, and 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 being and it also calls out the ability to get people on site and remote system restores and getting people engaged quickly and twenty four seven. No one wants an answering machine when they're going through something like this. We you know we've had we've had IRs instant response engagements kick off Friday afternoon. I had one a partner called me from a deer blind. His client got hit. He was deer hunting and he called me from a deer blind. And said, Hey, Adam. You know, this manufacturing group I work with is com- completely locked up. Can you guys get engaged to, to help? So you never know when these things are coming. You never know when you're going to hit get hit. But having a, having a partner or two to engage or at least somebody to call. In the middle market, what we found, middle market folks don't necessarily know who to call when an IR happens. The big enterprise shops and, and people out there who have thousands of employees, like they have large insurance providers and things like that, that they direct them to, to different different organizations and, and can can deal with things. But the middle market, it's tough for these firms to know who to call. We certainly want to make sure people have a good experience when, when they call after hours. Yeah. And kudos to that guy's service provider. Getting service at a deer blind sounds pretty impressive. Yeah. Well, you know, he was a, he's a Michigan guy and he's a good dude. He's out bow hunting, sitting in a deer blind in a tree. And I think it was about, I think he said it was about 20 degrees when he called me. He's having a fun weekend. That's some people's version of fun. Absolutely. Hey, to yep. each their own. So lacking an understanding of your environment, a really important point, a clear overview of your company's on-premise and cloud environments, along with its security tools and policies. Important to know. And what security tools do you have? And, and what are your policies that are in place, right? So if you don't, if you don't prioritize understanding what you've invested in, when things go sideways, you might not know all the resources that you have available to you. You might have a good way to help contain and, li- and limit the threat. You might have a good policy or you might have network segmentation or, or policies built out 
where you can help limit the impact. But if you don't know your own environment and you don't know when you flip that switch saying, hey, we are in an incident response mode, you know, start shutting things down or start isolating and start trying to reduce the risk here. If you don't know what you have, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're flying blind. So what we suggest in our practice is tabletop exercises, doing some workshops, fully documenting out your policies, having a good understanding of, of what you have. Because, you know, another thing along this lines here is people are transitioning between environments so often now, the gig economy and, you know, CIOs maybe last 18 months to two years, IT directors, maybe three, right? So you might be coming into an environment and only been there a year. You don't really know everything that's been in that, that's been built out there. So you get hit with an IR on the third week at your at a new job or the first year at your new job, you might not know all the tools that are in a kit bag. You might not know everything that's available for you. So tabletops, workshops, assessments, helping document what you have, put it on paper, get some run books put together. A lot, a lot of work to do on that one. Which leads to number four, failing to implement a response plan is a incident response planning mistake. So make sure you know your parameters, make sure you have your response team and your methods per for preserving and collecting evidence is really important. Yeah, it's it's and, and and who's actually going to declare an incident? Who's going to say, "Hey, we need to implement the plan" if you if you have one, mm-hmm. right? And then who's actually defining that? It's kind of a no-brainer, but it's something that often is missed. So, backtrack, rewind about, you know, 8-10 years. This is a very similar problem that everyone was trying to figure out with disaster recovery with with DR, right? Mm-hmm. So, we had earthquakes, we had floods, we you know just had a hurricane in Florida. Very, very similar to DR planning, right? Very, very similar methodology, very, very similar discipline. Test your backups, make sure your people know who's in charge, make sure you know you have a plan, make sure you have a communication plan. Same concept, incident response, cybersecurity breaches are another form of disaster. So if you kind of tweak a few things, you're going to see a lot of this discipline is in the same kind of preparedness mindset that, you, that you've seen around, around disaster recovery. Personally, and I'm talking my own book here, I have my sales guy hat on. I think that's one of the reasons Quest is very successful in the incident response, incident containment world is because of our background in the DR and backup and business continuity. Talk your own book, Adam. Talk your talking own book. My, talking my own book. I am talking my own book, but I do think it, I think it does help. I think it's similar. Well, we did it. Adam, those are the stories, the most important things in the channel that we thought people need to know about. Those are the most important things because you heard them here. And <laughs> it's true. It's true. They are. And uh, appreciate appreciate everyone listening today. Thank you for joining. Thank you. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. The Incident Report is brought to you by Quest Technology Management. With over 40 years of experience, Quest is a leading technology integrator working seamlessly with your staff and systems to achieve your IT goals. Learn more about everything they do at questsys.com. And if you have questions or suggestions for the podcast, you can always email Adam and myself at theincidentreport at questsys.com. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time.